over there. All right, church, say amen. amen. Grab your Bible. Quickly grab your Bible. Turn with me as you remain standing to Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11. This is a great crowd this morning. It's good to see everybody. After last night, you felt like you need a little church, right? Amen. All right. Everything's all right. It's all good. Say amen. amen. It's all good. This is a day the Lord hath made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. It may not be all right in every house, but it's all right in the Father's house. Amen. All right. Matthew chapter number 11. Got a great, great message for you today. It's really timely too. I'll be honest with you. We're going to preach on discouragement. <laughs> hey, I didn't plan this. Amen. We are, we are going through the New Testament. And, uh, and, and most of you know we're in the book of Matthew right now. We're, we, we have landed on the book of uh, Matthew chapter 11. And that's what we're going to cover today. But right before we do, I want to share with you where we're at right now. Uh, uh, we, we, last week, last week we shared the numbers for our, our missions project. And uh, between last week and this week, $25,936 has come in so far. So we are right now at a total of $109,023.39. Let's give God praise right there. And we have 13,542 pledged to come in before December 31st. So that gives us a total of 122,565.39. Let's give God praise and glory right there. Amen. Now we've got, we're, we're just still a little shy. We've got $27,434 to go. Uh, that will bring us to a total of 150000 And when we reach that, it's going to be doubled by all the matching giving. Uh, so that would be up, that's $300,000 that we're going to be able to move to the North Vietnam Project. So, so listen, be praying. If you've not already given, be praying about what God wants you to do. And let's get that, that next 27000 given so we can make this happen. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. And I forgot my glasses again. <clears throat> You're going to have to put the reading up on the wall, all right? Put the reading up on the wall. Matthew chapter number 11. Now, now just to kind of bring you up to speed of where we're at, Jesus has called his disciples. He has sent them out. He has began his ministry and uh, he's, he's healing people. He is touching people. He is changing lives. And we're going to come across John Baptist again. Most of y'all remember him and I'll cover him after y'all sit down. But how many of y'all know who I'm talking about? John Baptist, the one who baptized Jesus. All right. Not the apostle John, but John Baptist. Okay. This is who we're talking about. The Bible says in verse number one, when you're there, say amen. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the, in the prison, so he's sitting in prison, and I'll explain that in a minute, the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Are you, are you sure you're him? Are you, are you sure you're him? Are you sure you're the one? Thank you, sir. All right. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John. Uh-oh, there's an important word right there. Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. 
And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that is born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your, your word today. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house. Thank you for this great crowd this morning. Thank you for the spirit that's in this place. Lord, we worship you today, and we, we, we honor and glorify you, and we magnify you and exalt your name today. I pray that, Lord, that you will meet our, our needs today. I pray as we come and we receive from your word that you will speak to every individual in this place. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Now let me kind of let me kind of bring you. Hey, will y'all help me welcome my brother is in town. My brother Joe is in town. Uh, he's sitting over there with with uh, our friend Robbie, and uh, and they like they like handshakes and hugs and all that. I'm kidding. They hate people. All right. They're like me. People make them nervous. Amen. But I'm glad they're here with us today. And if you're here for the first time, if you're here for the very first time, we're tickled to death that you're here. Church, can we let all them know we're glad they're here? Thank you so much. Now, now here's where we're at. Here's where we're at. We're talking about uh, probably one of the most awesome characters in all the Bible. When I was growing up in, in Sunday school and church, uh, John Baptist was like the coolest character that we studied and learned about. He was one of my favorites. When you got a guy coming out in the wilderness preaching, wearing camel hair and a leather girdle and eating locusts and wild honey, he's a bad man. Say amen. And this is the same John Baptist. This is the same John Baptist who, when he was preaching, I mean, he was hell, fire, and brimstone. Turn or burn. Repent, repent. I mean, he's calling people snakes and everything. How many of y'all remember that? The Pharisees, they came out to his preaching, and he said, you're a viper, your granddaddy's a viper, and you're all from a bunch of vipers. Are y'all with me? A generation. He wasn't scared of anybody. He told it exactly like it was. And they asked him, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we're waiting on? Who, who, who are you? He said, oh, no, I'm not the Messiah. He said, I'm not even worthy to latch his foot. He said, I'm baptizing with water, but the one coming after me is going to baptize with fire and the Holy Ghost. Say amen. And then here comes Jesus. He baptizes Jesus, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit descends out of heaven in the form and the shape of a dove and lands on Jesus. And at that point, John Baptist knew without a shadow of a doubt, this is the one, this is the Messiah. And the next day, he declared to everybody when Jesus came, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Somebody say amen. He said, I'm not him. That's him. That's the one we're waiting on. That's the one I'm preaching about. That's the one that was promised. That's God's son. That's him. That's pretty confident, wouldn't you say? But this sounds a little different. This is the same John Baptist who said, I must decrease, but he, talking about Jesus, he must 
Stop following me and start following him. You know why? He's the one. He's the one. He's the one we've been waiting on. But now listen to the terminology. The Bible says John is sitting in prison and he sends two of his servants and said, are you sure? Are you sure you're the one or, 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 do, we, or do we need to look for somebody else? That sounds a little different, doesn't it? How in the world can a man go from being so sure and so confident and so assured that Jesus was who he said he was, that he declares to everybody, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And the next moment he's saying, I don't know. Are you sure you're him? I'll tell you what did it. Discouragement. Discouragement. How many of y'all know that the best Christians in the world can get discouraged? How many of y'all would agree with me and just take a moment of testimony right now and say, preacher, there's been times I've been bad, bad discouraged. Well, guess what? You're in good company. God said that John Baptist was greatest ever born of woman and he got discouraged. Let's talk about that a little bit, will you? Let's talk about discouragement. First of all, if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, we see the place of discouragement. The place of discouragement. The Bible says that when John was shut up in the where? Prison. I don't know if you've ever been to prison before, but it's a place of confinement. Are y'all with me? This is not rocket science. It's a place of confinement. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. Now think about this. Now this is what makes it even worse. John was an outdoor guy. He was not, he was not an office guy. Are y'all with me? He was, he was not a white collar dude. He was an outdoorsman. He grew up in the wilderness, was raised in the wilderness. He was there with the wild animals. I mean, he is an outdoor guy and now he's sitting, shut up, confined in the prison. What's the point of that? He's in a place where he can't do nothing about his situation. How many of y'all have ever been in a place in your life where something is going on and something you don't understand and here you're trying to face a problem, here you're trying to face a difficulty and there's nothing you can do about it. Your kids have lost their mind and there's nothing you can do about it. They've gone the wrong way and there's nothing you can do about it. The doctors came and given you bad news and there's nothing you can do about it. The bank has said they're going to foreclose and your hands are tied and there's nothing you can do about it. How many of y'all would agree with me that when your hands are tied and you feel helpless, that's very, very discouraging. But you know what? Sometimes God will put us right there. I don't know about y'all, but the worst thing in the world for me, because I'm a fixer, I'm a fixer. I want to fix stuff. That's just the way God wired me. If I see a problem, I want to fix it. I can't help it. It's just in me. My wife will tell me a problem and I just start immediately. Facts, ma'am, just the facts. Give me the facts so I can figure out how to decide. She said, I want to give you the facts. I don't want you to fix it. And I said, why are you telling me then? I just want you to listen. Come on. Can anybody relate to that? But how many of y'all know there's sometimes you're going you're to just deal with something you can't fix? Nothing you can do, nothing you can say. There's nothing but waiting on God. Amen. And to me, I don't know about y'all, but to me, the hardest thing in the world for me to do is... How many of y'all hate it when you're in a hurry and God's not? Come on. It's a place of confinement. He can't do nothing. 
He can't change a situation. He can't fix a situation. And by the way, he's sitting in jail for doing right. Herod has thrown him into prison because he preached against his bad marriage. Herod is married to his brother's wife, and he said it's unlawful for you to do that. And so he's thrown in jail for preaching the truth, preaching the gospel, and now he can't do nothing. He can't fix it. He can't change it. He can't. He's in a place of confinement. That's discouraging. But then two, or B, however you want to write it down on your outline, it's not only a place of confinement, it's a place of confusion. Confusion. Now let's think about this. What does it say? Let's, let's, let's read it just like it says. It says John was shut up in the prison, and it says when he heard, watch this now, when he heard what? What did he hear? The works of Christ. Y'all see that? When he heard the works of Christ. What's the point? All right, John preached that there's someone coming, right? John is the forerunner. He is the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He's the one preparing the way for Christ. And how did John do that? He came on the scene preaching with power. He came preaching hell, fire, and brimstone. I'm going to baptize you with fire, but the one coming after me is going to baptize with the Holy Ghost. Excuse me. He said, I'm baptizing with water, but the one coming after me will baptize with fire, which means judgment and the Holy Ghost. In other words, you're either going to get the Holy Ghost or you're going to experience fire. He was a hell, fire, brimstone, no nonsense, in your face type preacher. Turn or burn. But he began to hear some things. He began to hear some things about Jesus. What did he hear? Could it possibly be what we preached on last week that he's hanging out with sinners? Could it be that he begins to hear that this Messiah who's supposed to bring judgment upon the sinner is hanging out with publicans and sinners and he's, he's bringing and he's asking, I mean, he is asking tax collectors to follow him and be in his inner circle. Hey, John, guess what he did? There was a woman caught in the very act of adultery and he let her go. He did what? Come on. You mean to tell me, yeah, they brought him and there's going to stone her and do what the law said. And Jesus said, go and sin no more. I mean, he's forgiven people we wouldn't even hang out with, John. He is what? What's the point? How many of y'all have ever had a time in your life where you thought God was going to go left and he cut right on you. When God didn't do what you thought he was going to do. When God didn't answer a prayer like you thought he was going to do. God completely did the opposite of what you thought. And it left you confused. That's discouraging. Let me give you a good example. How many of y'all remember Elijah? Anybody remember Elijah? Elijah, he's a bad man too. Matter of fact, John Baptist in the New Testament came in the spirit of Elijah in the Old Testament. We got to stand right where Elijah called fire down from heaven in Israel. And, and we're sitting there, and this is the same Elijah who, who challenged 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of the grove, so 850 against one. And he made a contest, and listen, he won, by the way, and I'm trying to make this short because I don't have a lot of time, but y'all know the story. Elijah calls fire down from heaven, consumes the altar, 
and he, he has all of them killed, 850 prophets. The people turn, there's mass revival in Israel, and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Elijah gets so jacked up and excited about it, he goes all the way to the palace and, and, and really gets there before Ahab. Ahab gets to Jezebel, and Jezebel threatens him. Elijah is thinking, we're going to turn the nation around now. This is going to be great. They're going to know that there's a God in Israel. They've seen what God did on Mount Carmel. This is wonderful. And when he gets there, he gets a death threat. And you know what he does? The Bible says he runs for his life. And he ends up in a place of depression. You know why? Because God didn't do what he thought he was going to do. God didn't move at the palace like he did at Mount Carmel. And let me say this, guys. Let me say this, everybody. Please get this. God don't have to. God can do whatever he wants. Are y'all with me? But it left Elijah confused. And it really, if you study his symptoms and all that, he was in a state of depression. Because God didn't operate like he thought he would. How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember the apostle Peter? Y'all remember him? Good old, good old Simon Peter. Good old stick my foot in my mouth, slam to my kneecap, Simon Peter. He is in the garden with him, y'all remember? And he's always about it. And he's telling Jesus, I tell you what, everybody else can deny you. I'll never deny you. I love you more than everybody else. I'll never deny you. He said, Peter, your, your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. He said, but I pray for thee. Satan has desired to have thee. They may sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you, son. And guess what? He comes in the garden. Y'all know what happens. They come to arrest Jesus, and Peter is the only one out of every single one of them that drew a sword and was willing to defend Jesus, and he pulled the sword out, and he went to cut off Malchus's ear. Actually, he was cutting off his head. But I believe he ducked, and he only got the ear. In the garden. Y'all remember? He is defending Jesus. He is risking his life. I mean, there's a whole squadron of soldiers here. He's not going to make it out of here alive. And the only reason he did make it out of there alive is because Jesus reached down and picked up Malchus's ear and stuck it back on his head. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if I was one of them soldiers and I seen Jesus put his ear back on, I'd have left that dude alone. Are y'all with me? But then watch what happens. Watch what happens. Peter's standing here with a sword. He is willing to die for Jesus. He's willing to give his life for Jesus. He's the only one defending Jesus. And watch what Jesus does. Put it up. Put it up. They that live by the sword will die by the sword. And he he, he gives Peter a lecture. Uh Now let's think about this, guys. I want you to read your Bible and apply it. How would you feel? How would you feel? If you was the only one that stood up and risked your life to save the one you loved and you thought was the king and thought was the Messiah, and he turns around and gets on to you. Now, we always talk about Peter's denial, right? Peter denied the Lord three times. But we don't ever talk about what led up to that. All right, Peter is the only one willing to risk his life to save Jesus. And now all of a sudden I'm getting chewed out. Not near one of them other disciples raised their hand to do anything. I was the only one that risked my life. And you're going to. 
And not only that, what about this? He said, I'm the king. I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the promised one. I'm, in other words, Peter's looking to him to set up the kingdom. And this is what Jesus does when they come to arrest him. What are you doing? What, what is he doing? He's supposed, to, he's supposed to kick Rome out of here. He's supposed to be the promised king. He's supposed to be the deliverer. What are you doing giving up? Can y'all see? Can y'all see? Listen to everybody. Can y'all see Peter's confusion? See, he didn't understand the plan of God. He didn't understand what God was doing. Just like Elijah didn't understand what God was doing, Peter didn't understand what God was doing, and just like Peter didn't understand what God was doing, John Baptist sure didn't understand what God was doing. John Baptist expected Jesus to call fire from heaven and consume all the sinners. Hey, I've been preaching hellfire and brimstone. Here you are forgiving prostitutes and you're forgiving adulterers and you're forgiving these thieving, traitorous publicans and hanging out and eating with them. What is going on? Now let's apply that. When I came here from South Carolina, Long Branch Baptist Church in South Carolina, that's where Matt Dillon went to church. (laughs) For all you old enough to know who Matt Dillon is. My wife bought me some shoes the other day and I told, I told my girls, I said, man, these look like Gilligan. And she said, who? My own daughter, who? I said, you know, Gilligan, Gilligan's Island. You know, and, 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 and the professor and the captain and who? I said, I have failed as a parent. Long Branch Baptist Church. Long Branch Baptist Church, God was moving. I'm talking about people getting saved. It was incredible. It was incredible. The two meanest, baddest dudes in all of Barnwell County, Paul Allen Owens, listen, he was on the back row, always sat on the back row. He got saved. Johnny Atkinson, he got saved, sat on the front row. I'm, I'm talking about just bad, bad guys. And God was saving people like that, filling up the building. We had to fix the balcony, pack the balcony out there. It was an old slave balcony. It was an old church, little like little house on a prayer church. And God, God, just to make a long story short, God moved me out here. And it seemed like anything we did over there worked. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter how dumb the idea was. It just God blessed it anyway. And we got here. And and maybe maybe. 70, 80 people or whatever. I'm not sure exactly what the number was when I got here. But man, with my great church building skills, we was down to 25 in no time. (laughs) I mean, it seemed like everything we tried didn't work. Everything. I was preaching the same sermons. We were singing out the same songbooks, singing the same songs, doing the same exact things that we was doing in South Carolina. But it seemed like everything that worked over there was a major disaster here. And boy, I tell you what, that was discouraging. There were times I'd just about cry, wondering, God, what are you doing? Why did you bring me out here if this is what you were going to do? Listen, why didn't you just keep me in South Carolina where everything was going great? Man, a place of confusion. 
Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? Have you ever wondered why God is doing what God is doing? It's a place of confusion. So when he heard the works of Christ, he just didn't get it. Now let me show you the, let me show you the product of discouragement. Number two, quickly. That's a place of confusion. The place of confusion is a place of confinement where you, you can't do anything. Your hands are tied. It's a place of confusion. You just don't understand why God is doing what he's doing. Then, then number two, the, the product of con- discouragement. What will discouragement produce in a Christian's life? First thing is doubt. Write that down. Doubt. Say it with me. Yeah. Come on, say it like you mean it. Yeah. Doubt. When you get discouraged, the first thing you're going to do is start doubting God. How many of y'all remember when the disciples was in the boat in the storm and, the, and it's raging and, and Jesus is asleep on the boat and, and, and they thought they were going to die. That's discouraging. And they come to Jesus and this is what they say. Don't you care? You know what they're doing? They're doubting God. And I'm telling you guys, when you get discouraged, you got to watch it. When you get discouraged, the devil will jump up on your back. The devil, he'll start whispering in your ear, God's not who he said he was. God doesn't love you. If God loves you, you wouldn't be going through what you're going through. You wouldn't be facing what you're facing. Your children wouldn't be experiencing what they're going through. I'm telling you, God, and and I, I promise you this, the first thing that starts happening when you get real bad discouraged is you start doubting God. You doubt his love. You doubt his person. You doubt his plan for your life. I was. God, I made a mistake. I wasn't supposed to be in Alabama. I must have, I must have had my wires crossed. I wasn't listening right. I should have stayed in South Carolina. And now we know that wasn't true. I, I'll be honest with you. Everything you see, look around. Look to the left or the left. Your left and your right. None of this could have happened where I was in South Carolina. I couldn't see that, but God could see that. But when it wasn't going like I thought it ought to be going, when things wasn't happening like I thought they should be happening, when God wasn't answering prayers like I thought he should be answering prayers, I begin to doubt. Is anybody in here like your preacher? Be willing to admit, yeah. There's been times I've doubted God. I got down. I got discouraged. Things wasn't happening the way I thought they should happen. Man, I just began to wonder, did he even what? Care. care. Did he even care? And you got to think about this in John's perspective too. John was probably the most influential guy of his time. He was preaching one moment with crowds. I'm talking about whole villages and whole cities. They'd come from all around to hear his messages. His meetings were incredible. He was seeing people repent. He was seeing people baptized. Now he's sitting in prison for doing right. For doing right. I don't know about y'all, but I can can feel him. I can understand here I am, all I'm doing is right. I've just been preaching to God. I've been doing what I was supposed to do, doing what I was called to do. I even stepped back. I even stepped back and said, I must decrease so he can increase. Man, now I'm sitting in prison. It's hard to watch other people be blessed while you're struggling, isn't it? It sure is. It is for me anyway. Y'all probably more spiritual than I am, but I'm telling you. It's hard seeing Somebody else seemed to be blessed while you're struggling and you're doing everything you know to do right. 
So he sends his servants to Jesus and said, are you sure? What's he doing? He's doubting who Jesus was. He's doubting what he's already proclaimed, that this is the Messiah. This is the one to take the sins of the, the world away. And now he's saying, I don't, I, I don't know. Watch what else it'll produce. Discouragement will not only produce doubt in your life, it'll produce a detour. A detour. Watch what he says. Art thou he? That's doubt. That's doubting who he is. That's doubting who he is in your life. Now watch this. Or, or do we what? Come on, everybody. Or do we? Do I need to look for somebody else? You know what happens? Now look at me, everybody. I'm fixing to get real. I'm going to to pull right in your garage and beep the horn right here. You know what I see people doing all the time? When they get discouraged, then they start doubting God. Then they start doubting their marriages. Then they start doubting their ministries. Then they start doubting their churches. Then they start doubting their preacher. You know what they get? They get discouraged and they get down. And they think, well, it must be the church. I'm going to go look for Things go bad in marriages. Problems happen. Conflicts arise. It might be financial issues, relational issues, physical issues, whatever it might be. And you get discouraged and you get down and you get so far down. You start doubting your partner. You start doubting your spouse. And all of a sudden you're looking for. Ladies, let me give you some some advice. The one you're leaving and the one you're going to. The one you're going to is just as sorry as the one you're leaving. Men, the one you're going to is just as crazy as the one you're leaving. I'm going to tell you like Zig Ziglar said. He said marriage is grand, but divorce is a hundred grand. I am. I saw, I saw an awesome sign by an elderly couple. And they said, in our day, when something broke, you fixed it. You didn't go get another one. John says, are you sure we don't need to find somebody else? You're not operating just exactly like I thought you was. Are you sure we don't need to search for somebody? No, 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 no. Never doubt in the dark what God has already showed you in the light. The church is not the problem. Your preacher's not the problem. Your Sunday school teacher's not the problem. Listen, you might need to get along with God and say, God, you are who you say you are. I can't see in the dark, so I'm going to have to trust you. I don't know what you're doing, but I know you know what you're doing. And hang in there. Tough it out. Are y'all with me? I'm going to go to that church that ain't got problems. you ruining it. There's no such thing. Amen? Amen? Quit looking somewhere else. There is no detour. There's no detour around problems. There's no detour around hard situations. We all got to face them sooner or later. Well, I'm going to get somebody else who I wanted to face it. Guess what? You had to face two now. Well, I'm going to get me another wife. That's smart. Pay for two of them. Yeah. 
Y'all go ahead and cackle, laugh, whatever you want to do. Get it out your system because you know I'm right. We're in, a, we're in a society today, in a culture today, just get somebody else. Just detour. Let's just find somebody else. Like everybody don't have issues. Every church has issues. We, we study. Listen, I need to encourage everybody to go and listen to Wednesday night's, Wednesday night's Bible study out of the book of Acts. It's about dealing with problems. You know what we learn? You know where problems come from? You know where problems come from? You know what we learn? People. Look at, look at your neighbor. Tell them this right here. Look at your neighbor right now. Tell them this. You're a problem. Now, some of y'all have been wanting to do that for years. You know what we learned in the book of Acts? All churches experience problems because all churches have people in them. We're made out of dirt. How good can we be? You don't. You don't detour. You solve the problem. I'll tell you what you do. You you do what John did. Take your doubt to Jesus. You confuse, take it to Jesus. Take it to Jesus. He said, I tell you what, I'm sending some people. I'm sending some people. I'm going to find out about this. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm where I'm at. I, I don't know why he's doing what he's doing. I just don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. We may, I may have picked the wrong one. I don't know. Maybe we need to pick somebody else. Hey, guys, uh, uh, Henry and Joe, y'all, y'all go to Jesus and find out, are you the one or do we look for another? Can you imagine Henry and Joe going to Jesus? Henry looks at Joe and says, you ask him. No, I ain't going to ask him. You ask him. Uh-uh, I'm not going to ask you. No, we're going to. Who wants to ask Jesus a question like this? Right? They get to Jesus. Uh, Oh, go ahead, Henry. Now, look, this ain't this ain't coming from us. But John. I mean, this ain't our question. We're just doing we're just doing what John asked us to do. Hey, John back in the prison. And he's, he, are you sure you're him? Or do we need to look for somebody else? Look at the prescription for discouragement. The prescription for discouragement. I'm so glad to read this. This, this encourages the fire out of me so much. Now, according to Luke, <clears throat> Luke gives a description of the same account. And look what happens. Look what happens. Let's look what it says. In Matthew in Matthew chapter number 11, uh-oh, my page flip here. Let me get back over here. Matthew chapter 11, look what happens. Jesus answered and said unto them, go and show John, come on, go and show John again, those things which he do. And look what it says. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. In Luke chapter 7, in Luke's account, Luke says in the selfsame hour. In other words, at the same time that the, the, those, those two servants of John were there, he heals a blind man and he heals a lame man and says, go show John this. He heals somebody else and says, go show John. Are y'all with me? He's doing it in the midst of what's happening. He says, go tell John again what you do see and hear. 
What, what do we need to do when we get discouraged? What do we need to do when we get down? What do we need to do when we get confused and we start doubting God and we start looking for something else and somewhere else? I tell you what we need to do. We need to rehearse and go back and remember what God has already done in the past. Tell John again. Tell John. Come on. Tell John. Tell John again. Tell him what's happening. Tell him what you see. Tell him the blind are seeing again. Tell him the lame are walking again. Tell him the deaf are hearing again. Tell him the mute are speaking again. Tell him the dead are raised. Somebody say amen. Tell him again. Listen, that's why you need to come to church. That's why you don't need to forsake the assembling of yourselves together because there's going to be days you're going to get down and you're going to get discouraged and you need somebody to tell you again that God is still God. He is still on the throne. He still has power over the devil. He still is doing what he said he would do. Man, there's times I've got cards. I've got cards that people have sent me that's in my, I just stack them up in my desk because sometimes I get down and sometimes I get discouraged and sometimes I want to quit and throw in the towel. I know you're more spiritual than I am, but I'm telling you, sometimes I want to give it all up and then I pull out those reminders of what God has done in the past, the people God has saved in the past and what God has done as far as answering prayer in the past. And I'm telling you, it helps me keep on keeping on. One more day, God, help me one more day. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God's answered my prayers in the past. God's paid my bills in the past. God showed up in an incredible way in the past. He's done miracles in the past. And if he did it in the past, bless God, he can do it in the future. Look at your neighbor and say, tell him again. Tell him again. Listen, when you get down, go back to your Bible and read it again. Go back to the Bible and read it again. Read what he's done. Read what he said. There's power in the word of God. Man, I think a story, I don't even have time to tell you. A story after story after story after story how God just showed up right on time. Again and again and again and again. Sometimes we just have to remember. We just have to, matter of fact, it probably do you some good to start keeping a journal of everything God's done for you. So when you do get in that place of confinement where you can't do anything, when you do get in that place of confusion, you can go back and rehearse. Oh, yeah. Well, God did this here. God answered here. God provided here. Oh, God saved right here. God changed his situation right here. Yes. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why I was doubting. He is God yesterday. He's God today. And he'll be God forevermore. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, this is my favorite part. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Y'all ain't ready? Y'all are. They ain't said nothing. Let me look at you. Y'all ready? Watch this. Watch this. They leave. And he turns around and looks at the crowd. And I wonder why he did what he did. But it dawned on me. They heard this crowd. They heard that John was doubting. Can you imagine? Now, I grew up a Baptist, so I know how y'all act. This old John, 
He's standing there so arrogant and pious on the side of that river. There's a hellfire and brimstone preacher saying, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's so confident. Now look at him. He's doubting. Listen, oh, oh, high and mighty preacher. Now he's doubting. You know, the church army is the only one that shoots their own wounded. You let somebody get discouraged and fall. Well, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it, yeah. He up there preaching, a big hypocrite. I don't care if you're a preacher or not. Everybody's human. Everybody's got potential to fall and mess up. Everybody doubts. Tell me one person hasn't got discouraged before and wanted to quit. Come on. Watch what Jesus does. He said, what would y'all think y'all went out to see? Talking about John Baptist. Did y'all go see a, a reed shaking in the wind? In other words, somebody just goes here and there with the breeze of culture. Did y'all, did y'all think y'all was going to see somebody with soft raiment? You know what he's saying? Y'all, would y'all go out there expecting to see a sissy? Soft raiment is for them people. He said, let me tell you. Let me tell you. This one y'all just heard about, he's the greatest born of woman. I know what you just heard. And I know what you're probably thinking. But let me clarify this. He's the greatest. You say, what's so encouraging about that? When I get down and when I get discouraged and when I'm doubting him, he never doubts me. And he never does to me what we to do to each other. Are y'all getting this? I mean, John's doubting. I mean, seriously doubting. And all Jesus do is defend him. When he had every right to say, are you serious? Did you forget about the baptism? Did you forget about the dove that descended from heaven? Did you forget about that voice that you heard? Behold, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Did you forget about all that? No, he didn't do that. He said, let me tell you what I think about old John. You know what we need to do next time somebody gets discourages and doubts and falls? When you say, I still think you got it. I know you're having a rough time, and I know it's going hard for you, but hey, I think you're pretty cool. Shouldn't we take the example of Christ? If you're down right now, if you're down right now, if you're sitting in, in John's situation, maybe you're the one that's discouraged, confused, and confined, and your hands are tied in your situation. Maybe it may be in your marriage. Maybe it's in your relationship with your children. Maybe it's in your financial situation. Whatever it may be, wherever you're at, let me tell you something. Jesus thinks the world of you. Matter of fact, if there was a refrigerator in heaven, your picture would be on it. <clears throat> he loves you. Preacher, what's the point? Sometimes we need to just remember his present words. We need to remember this song, Jesus loves me, this I know. For my... You know why you don't know that? 
Because you ain't read your Bible lately. Amen. Preacher, I'm so discouraged. When's the last time you read your Bible? Because if you had, you'd realize how much he loves you. Because you'd read over there, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ. You'd read over there in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Are y'all with me? He loves you. What's the point? What do I want you to leave with? I want you to leave with this. Never doubt in the dark what God has revealed to you in the light. Because God loves you. Yeah. It's not always going to be peaches and cream. It's not always going to be. There's going to be tough times. But don't doubt him. Run to him. Amen. Don't run from him. Say it with me. Run to him. Even in John's doubt, he was smart enough to know, I need to go to Jesus. Amen. And all God's people see it. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful and thankful for your love and your mercy and your kindness. Lord, there's nobody in here, not one single person that's never been discouraged. Lord, John is showing us what we need to do. We need to take our discouragement to you. We need to take our confusion to you. We need to take our feeling of helplessness and our hands being tied to you. Lord, help those that are discouraged here. I'm going to just open this altar up. Lord, this is our invitation.